Season two. It's lovely to be here. Lee and my friend, how are you? What is the news? What is going on? Happy New Year, Mindful Surfers. The news is we're in, entering another lockdown. I'm going to go straight into that. And uh, for that, a few people will be feeling landlocked, can't get to the sea. So we want to be able to keep bringing you this show to share some stoke, to sort of stay off some of those kind of COVID topics and not to kind of spread fear and talk too much about control and all of that sort of thing. We just want to sort of be with you during this time and continue doing what we were doing. And we were having a blast connecting with you all before Christmas and into the sort of new year. So we start again with hope and ambition for waves and sunshine and all of that stuff and improvements in our surfing, your surfing, mind, body, stoke. So we're back for that. I've got to ask you a question masks talk to me what like batman maybe <laughs> or maybe like the masks you put on for those special evenings but i mean like masks i mean fucking hell masks kill me it is <laughs> the whole world it's, it's amazing when we're talking about this right now the whole world is going through this experience of masks and that's actually quite a profound thing for the entire world to be going through something like that where people are having to wear masks so often well the western westernized, uh, westernized society yeah. fine wanted to ask you was what if you had to wear one in the sea what if it got to the point where they said you got to wear a mask when you go surfing how would you approach that well you drown for starters <laughs> that's what i'm thinking so, I, I mean i just think with the way everything's going how it's just fear-mongering after fear-mongering yes. people being afraid of this people being afraid of that oh don't do this and don't do that and make sure you go there and make sure you keep fucking distance and the, the mask and the nonsense and there's so much nonsense and contradiction. Don't even get me started on contradiction. When you keep going with all this, I swear to God, it's going to eventually become, well, of course, you know, surfers, you know, you're in the water and you're sometimes 10 meters apart from each other and you might have a bit of snot. Go in, this, go in the water. You're going to have to wear a mask. And you're going to have to wear nose plugs to stop the snot coming out. <laughs> I'll do the, my usual for those people that have been with us all the way. There is some validity to this. I'll be the old man's sense of uh, reason in some of this stuff. And some of my beliefs here as well creeping into it. On the surf front, I mean, it was always funny even during the summertime to see either lifeboat crews or kind of um, lifeguard crews going out and having to sort of think about PPE, you know, masks. You're saving someone's life potentially oh, yeah. from the sea. But when do you put your PPE equipment on? Again, that, that was, true. so they were having to sort of think about these things. And then the other side of it is, you know, often, especially places, I suppose, like Japan and China and so on, the mask wearing was there to protect others from your, so I think there is a lot of validity in that, but this sort of mass compliance or mask compliance and all of the kind of control comes with it doesn't sit comfortably with usually free spirited people. It's a tug of war, isn't it? Between public health and uh, libertarianism and freedom and freedom of choice, and almost instinct. And I think one of the big things to come out of it is to hope that we all have each other's best interests at heart. And sometimes for that requires a collective duty, a collective effort. But at the same time, it's being able to ask why. is not a crime to ask why to the things that we are looking at. And that's what philosophy and, and, and science should do, you know, why and how and 
And as we said in previous episodes, that there are always interesting arguments on either side of any discussion. There is no simple black and white. No, no, no. There's always shades of grey in between and around the edges. And the best thing we can all do, I suppose, at the moment, that I try and do, is to remain as calm as possible, but to also not lose our sense of uh, reasoned thinking and to teach, hopefully, our, uh, our now homeschool kids not just what to think, but actually very crucially how to think. Actually, a lot of the time in the sort of world that we now sort of live in is very much a what-to-think, top-down education. The sort of free-thinking libertarianism that sort of is attractive to people who value the liberty of the individual is often either poo-pooed or sort of undermined because of this kind of group thing that's, uh, that's coming into play, mm-hmm. for right or wrong. No, and absolutely. There's a huge debate and a show that probably goes beyond, well beyond surfing, <laughs> which sometimes is, this yeah, show does, William, it, doesn't it? It fucking does. And the thing is, you know, free-spirited characters that we are, you know, I'll listen to a, I don't know what the name of the podcast was, it'll come to me in a moment, but the, I know the guest was a guy called Ivor Cummins. Check him out, Ivor Cummins. He's a very smart guy, has a background in science, and um, he researches science. And uh, he was on the show and uh, he was talking about 40 years of research showing that masks actually make things worse for the immune system and the spread of disease. And um, in the last six months, there was research published that supported the claim that actually they do help with you know, the spread of a virus and things. And you could look at that two ways. One, you could look at that as just, you know, oh, well, look, there's the research and it shows that actually masks are valid. You could also look at that with a slightly more sceptical mindset that says, well, certain people, certain organisations and governments and whatnot are actually looking to use that to support the bias that they have for, you know, let's say the policies they're putting out there, right? Now, we discussed this yesterday, you and I, Liam, at length, like we do a lot of the time, but, you know, I was off for a surf and you were actually at home and bless you because you seem to be staying very calm in that realm, not being able to get in the ocean, but hanging out with the clan and all that good stuff. But um, we were chatting and I chatted to you about where I'm going with this, which is to get involved in politics and start to really debate it and argue it and get fired up by it. Because people do get so fired up. Well, I've been one of them. Oh, God, yeah. But to do so at the expense of your health and at the expense of your happiness, is a very, very bizarre paradox. Because the very thing that we're looking for is wellness and happiness from a better policy, let's say. But if we lose our well-being and happiness because we're getting so entrenched in the, the arguments, and that's why, going back to what I'm saying here about Ivor Cummings, why there's a grey area in that, which is to say that, you know, no one's right. They're just only coming in with grains of truth, like everyone. There's, you know, there's nuance in everything. You know, it's not to say that there's anything wrong with what the government's doing right now, per se, because that would be to make it black and white. But to say that there still might be flaws in what they're doing, like anything, right? But there's grey area always. But it's to say that, and I remember seeing this quote written on, in graffiti on the wall in London, which is that I'm too healthy to talk about politics. Or I'm too, it was something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was. But the point of that is, listen, if you can do politics and if you can get involved in, you know, criticising what people are doing, the, the heads of governments and all these types of things. If you can get involved in all that and all the debate and all the arguing and all that, if you can get involved in that and, and stay in your centre and stay calm and not get pissed off at the state of the world and what's going yeah. on, if you can do that and stay totally centred, then, oh my goodness, you keep going. But what I have seen is people get so fired up by different opinions because opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. Mm-hmm. Everyone. And it's not to say that therefore anyone's particularly right. I mean, except for like, you know, don't murder and rape people. I mean, everything else is like, it's down to debate. So how can anyone be right? Well, no one can be right. But you think it's, it's where 
in this whole phase of, you know, should we wear masks? Should we not? Should we go to the beach and surf or should we not? Should we get together in groups anyway and fuck society or its rules or not or whatever? There's no right answer. But what we do is we find our own way. And as long as it's not a way that is harming others or endangering others, then um, you make your own call. But we talked about that at length, didn't well, we? Well, I, I, yeah, absolutely. One of the funny things, if we talk about politics, because I've always been somebody who gets generally overconsumed news and got interested in, not too fired up, that would be the wrong word. But the problem with it, and I'm speaking from experience, is unless you are actively doing something to be involved to make the change. And by the way, we always talk about be the change you want to see first. Mother Teresa said, charity starts at home. So get your own house in order first. To that end, that if you are just consuming, and now we live in a 24-hour news cycle, that, uh, as we've previously said, is really the reasons to be fearful show. Imagine if it was about the reasons to be cheerful, that we flip it on its head. because then, <laughs> I really like that. It's a nice rhyme. You know, it shouldn't be the news, as I've said before. It's the fear at six or the fear at 10. That's what we're talking about here. It's why, 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 why should you be shit scared <laughs> the of being alive? The fear ten is fucking good, man. That's what it should be. And so you're kind of in this realm of collective, that collective vibration then of Ooh, everybody's fa- everybody's afraid. Well, that feeds into tipping the scales into a place that nobody wants to go to. Well, if we can all kind of try and, and it's like you say, have everybody's best interests at heart, and that could be mask wearing, it could be adhering to sort of a guide, the right guidelines here and there and, and wanting everybody to sort of be well and healthy, but also acknowledging that we are creatures, living, breathing creatures, and there is an inherent risk in being alive, and that at some point this sort of will come to an end for every single one of us, you and me, the people listening. So it is the inevitable it is the only certainty uh, death and taxes is what uh, they said 100 percent, and if you were to even if i mean talk about fear if you were to look at the stats in surfing of injury rate and death and all these if you were to do that or let's say for example in places that were maybe a bit more dangerous where it was bigger and more sharky and whatever you were to actually just digest stat after stat after stat, do you think it's going to make you want to go in the ocean and have a good time and embrace and enjoy life well that's the same kind of thing that's happening yeah. With the media at the moment, and it, it's our digestion of media. I don't think we've ever had to be more careful of just not only how much we consume, but what we consume. Yeah. And I personally, I haven't read a newspaper. I actually don't think I've ever read one because even at a young age, I was like, this isn't news. This is what's going on in other people's lives. To me, the news, as in this aspect of now you know the new bits, the new, you know those bits, and how I could be better off for being informed. I was noticing, like, I don't feel better off. I don't feel ignorant in that way for that. I just feel it's a bit like life's way simpler than this. It's being made out to be so complex. <laughs> Life is nowhere near as complex as the news makes it out to be. Well, we made it complex. That's it. So we might talk about surfing, guys, in a bit. <laughs> no, but it but all relates to surfing. But all, it but all relates. Almost before whatever industrial complexes we started as humans, really, we did it. We did it. The human did this, this kind of collective building. And sometimes good intentions go bad, but a lot of this kind of industrialization, industrial complex that we all benefited from, you know, in terms of standard of living to an extent, especially in the West and so on and so forth. But inherent in that is control the populations because you need, originally you needed workers. And how do you control people? Well, it could be through anything on a spectrum of religion to fear or all of those things combined. But ultimately that comes heavy price in the very long term. Because the complexity that comes into play or the control needed to keep those complex systems going is um, is a biggie, isn't it? Mm. So do we know the answers to it? 
we'd be rich men if we did. Do the men who have the answers know the answers to it? Uh, and often men, to be fair, fucking things up. Um, they think they do, but they probably don't because mm. no one does. And mm. it, it might be a better world sometimes if everyone, yeah, I'm not quite sure, but I think it's this. And maybe we, you know, maybe we listen to mm. uh, discussion and uh, nuance on all sides and then come up with something mm. that's in everybody's best interest. You know, I don't think people are pushing this for, you know, there's a lot of people out there who are trying to do their best for the good of their communities. Mm. And that's always a, the best place to start. Totally. Uh, just one thing before we move on to surfing as well, if nobody's turned off. Dude, no a really interesting. It is surfing. It is surfing. Life is surfing. Life surfing is life. It is. Come on. Love, life, surfing, four-letter How words. you are now is how you are in the ocean. Yeah. Come on, it's still related. The, one of the greatest things, because just on your reference to politics, is I've over-consumed it. I've read too much news. I still do. At least you're honest about yeah. it. I'm sort of reducing my exposure to uh, rolling news because I think that's been a terrible thing for us all, again, for the reasons of being fearful. But I think it was Jeremy Paxman, and for those listening overseas, he's like uh, a really old statesman of, of the news here, right? He used to ask very difficult questions, very slippery politicians. I'm sure he was the guy that said this. He said every time he went into a, an interview with a politician, he would always think, why is this lying bastard lying to me? <laughs> Ah, fucking hell. So already he was on this. This person yeah. is not telling me the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. And that's a good way to have a healthy questioning of what anybody's telling you is a good place to start. It is. On that front, I just want to mention, because I think this is really important, and it all relates to surfing, going back to what we're saying. Because how you judge someone who's the prime minister is also how you judge someone who's come in the surf, who might not be holding the right board that you want to be a part of or in the wrong place or right it's everything's related judgment's judgment and people who make judgments of um prime ministers like the one in our country and slate him and naysay him and criticize and hurl shit in his direction for the decisions he, he makes you go and do the fucking job you grow a pair and go and do the job yourself and you tell me and you come back and if you don't come back with a fucking huge i'm talking the size of the universe bucket of humility for how difficult that would be to do then well i'll be shocked dude the reason why it's all related to surfing because it is this aspect of judgment and i know i do it i know i judge people i do it all the time if i did if i didn't know i did it i'd be very concerned because then i really would be doing it so much more often because it wouldn't even be conscious i'd be unconscious of it and so if someone comes in the sea and they're getting in the way and it's they're maybe a beginner and it's and, and it's and if i start judging them as being annoying and they're making my surf difficult. Well, geez, if I can't notice that I'm doing that, geez, again, we're in that unconscious asleep state that can't then heal the world. The thing that heals the world is that awareness of being able to go, okay, we're all human here. Let's give ourselves a break. I'm not saying then let people shit on us, like literally take a giant turd on top of our head. I mean, literally someone walking over and like, oh, can I put on your head? No, thank you. You know, let's draw the line. But at the same time, be really aware that when you're slating these leaders who are trying to do the best they can in the world, as much as people think they're not, spare a thought. That's very benevolent of you. Spare a thought for being in someone else's fucking shoes, that's for sure. Because I certainly do a bit of judging of politicians, there's no Mm -hmm. question. I fall into that trap. But there's a good Roger McGough poem. He was a, he is, I don't think, I think he's still with us. He's a poet from Liverpool, very old poet, probably sort of, you know, of the Beatle generation even. He's got a poem called The Leader. Refers quite well to this. His poem goes, I want to be a leader. I want to be the leader. Can I be the leader? Can I? Can I? Promise, promise. Yippee, I'm the leader. I'm the leader. Uh, okay, what shall we do? <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking nice, dude. Oh, that's really good. And there you go. 
So, um, great intro, full of passion. We navigated it mindfully. Yes. So we could get heated. You could get opinionated. View is easy to slip into like fuck this and fuck that shit. That's the yeah. <laughs> label stuff, and that would be wouldn't that be uh, ironic? Well, I think you leave it on this kind of whizzes us back into that sort of blue ocean and the vitamin C and, and, and all that stuff is that what good does it do getting so angry about something that you can't control? So you've got to wait for the time that you can do something or you do your best to push out good things that make the world a better place. Be the change you want to see, as we talked about. But just kind of shouting at the wall is not going to make that wall move. <laughs> no, hell no. So, dude, segment one. Well, that really was segment one. Yeah. The philosophical rant. Segment two, the mindful surfer, where we spend a couple of minutes just raising the awareness and uh, whether you're driving to the beach or whether you're in lockdown, sat at home, just listening or at the gym or work, who knows where you're listening to this and uh, sending love out to you wherever you are. But just take a deep breath in through your nose and breathe out. And breathe in. And breathe out. See if you can notice in this next 90 seconds just how related deep breathing is to your level of focus and therefore your level of calm. Because the more focused you become now on feeling of air going in your nose and the sound of it and what you can see and what you can hear and what you can sense. And the more focused you are in the present moment, the calmer you will feel. Even if you don't have wonderful, positive emotions going on, at least you'll be more observing of them and less judgmental of yourself for having them. So keep taking deep breaths. And try and really breathe out slowly as well. One more deep breath. And breathe out slowly. Great work, guys. One thing I've noticed about something that we call collective consciousness and how it relates to surf lineups is... There's this theory, and it's actually being researched much more extensively by a guy called Joe Dispenza, who we mention a lot on this show, who I'm sure we're going to talk to one day, that you get enough people raising their vibration in a room and the vibration goes up and up and up. It's like a, a joy shared, joy double type of vibe. When you happen to stumble upon, and spontaneously, because there's no way you can try and control this, although wouldn't it be lovely too? Because then you could have a, a lovely vibe of mindful humans within a lineup every time you go out, but it's not realistic. But when you do get that certain crew that are in the ocean, sometimes it could just be a pair of you or a few of you. The waves change. And I might sound loopy to a lot of people saying that. They think that that's a ridiculous idea that you, you're just your body. Little old you could dictate what is going on hundreds of miles away in the ocean. But the more that I learn about quantum physics, not that I'm, <laughs> not that I'm doing the, the equations. I just mean philosophically quantum physics, not like fucking the thing itself. Not like Brian Cox, he's not, here on the mindful not, not, oh, That's a very good impression. <laughs> well, you're northern anyway, so you, you got a head start on that one. But no, it, it makes a difference. When we were surfing yesterday, two days ago, 
I could see it was you getting there and you were getting a little bit of surf. It was quite small. When we started surfing together, it, I swear I noticed things change. And I get this a lot. It happens all the time. Do you find this? Yeah, I've always said this. It's a bit like you kind of, you get sent waves from somewhere. We're not talking mill pond. So the conditions are there, but sometimes it brings the, mm. you get these little gems just through patience and vibration and energy and all that stuff. And I that totally sounds woo-woo, doesn't it's it? It's so woo, but I, I, I'm getting really comfortable with that because I'm experiencing it. I think when you, you can talk about things, you can read things, theorize and all that sort of stuff until you experience something. That is when it embeds the belief. I remember reading Tom Anderson's bit about the Christian. Now, the Christian surface he was mentioning. Yes. So Tom Anderson, guy we love, he loves his books. I'm sure Liam can pull up a couple of, the, this is the... Yeah, Grey Sky's Green Waves or something. Yeah, that's the one, yeah. something like that. And, and he was talking about his skepticism of how the waves were flat, yes. but this Christian surfer just said, look, just put out good vibes. I mean, roughly speaking, in his own unique Christian way. And Tom Anderson's like, yeah, <laughs> come on, dude. And then literally... I believe it was it's, Phil Williams of uh, because he's he runs Christian Surfers. There you go. And within like a couple of hours or something, there were these pumping waves, and there weren't even waves forecasted. That's and right. uh, I've had surfs like that. I had one like that with Toby, my brother, the other day. We had this real kind of great brother connection, and we were there. And I hope he's listening to the show right now. But we went out at uh, a beach in Cornwall, and it wasn't forecasted to be that great. And it just did just turn on. And I'll be honest, when my vibe hasn't been in the right spot, and I've Entered into a lineup where it is a bit, you know, maybe a bit crowded. And the crowd isn't, let's say, the most mindful of crowds. There's lots of snaking going on, lots of competitiveness and things like that. The waves just don't, just doesn't happen. Mm. Those kind of surfs. Mm. How we'll know that, I don't think we will. I mean, people are going to try and find out, like Joe Dispenza. But I mean, in a way, that's kind of what, that's what I like it being a mystery. I like not knowing why that happens in a way. Well, the mystery is a good thing. I mean, also, even if it is just your perception of things, but from that, you get something out of it. Why not? Mm. Because surfing is about that anyway, isn't it? There is a magical energy to it. There's an amazingly magical energy, actually, to being thrown. Because a wave is just, en- it is just energy coming from a long, long way away and arriving on your sandy or rather, for us sometimes, pebble doorstep. Yeah. And then there you are. Oh, you're about to say Sandy Bush then, sorry. I just, I no, you I have just... to. You almost got through the last episode of the uh, of, of the, the show before New Year without even swearing. I just had this feeling you were going to say Sandy Bush, but you no, carry on. No. So, so I've fully interrupted you. This is to your doorstep. That in itself is enough to spread one. And yes, of course, we know that the physics and science behind wave energy and, and what it does, but surely just sometimes to sit back and be in awe of the fact that we're on a fucking spinning space rock that has all of this great stuff for us mm. that so many of us don't even go and enjoy as humans. Or we actually actively, in the pursuit of sometimes this uh, industrial sort of complex, we just go and screw it up. That's the bonkers bit. Bonk or bon- yeah. bonkers. bonkers. <laughs> for our American or overseas listeners. I don't know if you have bonkers. Maybe you'll have to write in and tell us. Yeah. But uh, crazy, I'm thinking. C- crazy. crazy. No, it's a bit of an English yeah. word. It's rather bonkers. Oh, yes. Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at The Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends? Or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Because the more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. Segment two, Mind, Body, Stoke, where Liam and I talk about various things we've been doing with our minds and bodies to raise the stoke. One I want to mention, uh, had a really nice surf yesterday. 
with a great friend and talk about collective consciousness, good vibes and waves just started coming, just started happening. And it was really, really good, actually. And then a couple of extra people came in. And as they were coming in, we were right down the beach. And maybe it's because of lockdown and you're in that slight bit of like, you know, where are they from and how far they traveled and all that bullshit. We were in this very corner of the beach and they did come right where we were. And I've often found that a lot of surfers do that. And it always sort of, it confuses me. But then it doesn't because humans are unconscious. And what the heck? What does it matter if they go where we are? (laughs) Listen, I don't know. They might have scanned the beach for a full 10 minutes looking at all the various peaks and actually made a mindful decision to come and surf where we are. Not because we're there following blindly into that spot because oh that's where the other surfers are that's where the surf must be they might have actually really looked at it so who knows they came in the water and my mind was going into that oh for fuck's sake fucking they could have gone to any other part of the beach but they've come in here i think where that comes from is an ego that believes in scarcity that there's only so much of something there are only so many waves dot 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 etc Whereas your soul and your mindful self or whatever you like to call it in that way knows no limits and would never ever assume that someone else could be taking away something from you because it's ever abundant and ever ever full. So I think that it was just that little moment to myself. It didn't last for long, but it was that moment of like, whoa, mate, check in with yourself. I was about to say you fucking idiot, but you beautiful human. I think our idiosyncrasies are obviously beautiful in their own unique way as well. But it is that thing and I think it's... um. Jesus surfers, it's it's natural. We've got the ego part, which is going to go, fuck, people coming in the water. Well, the ego part says, oh, why is this person stealing my way? Yeah. And the kind of spiritual part, oh, your soul really should, is saying, it's nobody's wave to steal. Not your wave, but uh, obviously the surf etiquette we're very mindful of. But just in that kind of bigger picture thing, those just, and they keep coming. They'll be there and we'll enjoy them when they are. So true. I can imagine you're much more naturally good at that uh, let's say like people are coming in are you if they're coming in and you're in one spot like that and they're coming in right where you are well i'm just too old to take my gloves off on the beach william and you know pound it out i cannot <laughs> think of someone less likely than morgan starting a fight with another surfer but no. go on do you think you're naturally just like yeah it's cool it you... depends doesn't it i'm <sighs> let's say the karen is up depends on. on a sup's different matter the karen is up and they're coming in right where you are yeah now what, come on. I'm triggered by that often. Yeah. Usually from a safety point is, I have to see how that person is on the sub. Yeah. What they're sort of doing on it and whether they're in control of the juggernaut, as we were calling it last time. And if they are, that's great. It becomes a comfortable dance. And usually those people are very aware of waves they're taking and set with. It's just when there's sort of very little control of riding that thing at all times, both getting out and then when they're on the wave, it's even worse, right? So yeah, I get triggered by that. I do when it gets really crowded. I just feel sometimes, unless I know the crowd, it's different actually. When you know the crowd, it can yeah. be a really fun experience. But if it's a sort of busy lineup that you don't know many people, or you've got people drifting in, which we have had actually in certain spots that we've surfed regularly, there's been bigger and bigger crowds up until the sort of whatever lockdown is coming. So up until that point, we've had some real sessions where you think, where, where have all these people come from? But again, we're traveling surfers when we can. So it's not really our beach. We're just very lucky that we get to surf it all the time. So you do get triggered, but you have to sort of remind yourself, I'm a bit more sort of sanguine about it. And I'll either move or or get out or get in early on, try and find those moments when we can surf with just a handful of really good people. You know, a lot of people we talk to, listen to the show, actually sometimes they don't live by the sea. They have to go and visit different beaches and so on and so forth. But most of those people I find are very mindful of 
navigating the etiquette and the crowds and that sort of thing. Sometimes it's the locals that can yeah. be worse. You know, I'm, talk- I'm by the way, hello, our locals. I'm not talking about you guys out there. Who's <laughs> in? She talking about me? Well, no, um, it's, I, I think that's where we're extra blessed because yeah. we we have really friendly locals. Yeah, you know, in, in other places, sometimes it's the locals being unpleasant to the yep. the blow-ins or the incomers yep. or whatever you yep. want to kind of yep. call them. Luckily, in our country, there's enough coastline and enough waves to go around. It's also for us as a surfing community to educate people where to surf, how to surf, what etiquette to follow. And if we all do that, then the, the merry dance is much uh, much more fluid, much to- easier totally to navigate. Agree. Totally agree. I've got a body one I want to mention. Go on, a bit. and then I'll get into yeah, my... okay. You go. I'll go. I'll go. I've been masturbating uh, 18 oh times a week. God. Oh and dear. I feel like a raisin. I feel like a raisin that's been left in the desert for three years. I feel great. I feel dry. So my body, my, my, my dear Deirdre, I do you know I did? I, I, think when I, I think when I was fourteen, yeah. I think I broke my dick. I think I fully broke. I think a lot of fourteen-year-old boys broke their dick <laughs> when they discovered it. It's just I, I think I remember saying to my mum like, "Oh no, mum, I'm sick. I'm sick," and like put myself under the covers to get extra hot, so I had this kind of pretend temperature, so I could stay at home and. Just smash it out. You're still a 14-year-old boy in that I, head. Uh, I, pretty much, I, I think I am pretty much. Carry on, Will, please. I wish it would slow down. Please that. move on. I wish the horn please. would slow down. It doesn't. It's a Japanese philosophy called Kaizen. It's a Kaizen theory. And what it means is all small parts lead to the whole. Okay. So it's that little sip of water here, that mindful moment there, you know, little stretch there, make a healthy meal there, you know, eat that, leave the dessert, get to bed at whatever time and they're all tiny things but you they build then they build and they build like a dam that uh momentum builds and um for me i'm doing that all the time my passion in life literally is that is all these little things that i'm doing to see if i can either kind of help heal let's say an injury or calm my mind down and body it's always the coming back to coming back to because you know we're, as humans we're all imperfect we've got challenges and that got that resistance there. And without the resistance there, there wouldn't be any satisfaction in healing anyway. But anyway, it's one of them, another little one I want to mention. I was wearing, because it's winter, more of my kind of walking shoes to keep my feet dry. And most of the year, I'm either in bare feet, just obviously summer months, spring, autumn, etc., bare feet, or in very, very light shoes, which have like a barefoot feeling going on. So the full flexibility in the shoe and very little support and dot, dot, dot. And um, I noticed it was affecting my surfing. And I was trying to, I was doing my usual functional exercises in the gym, which I do all the time, which is this kind of one leg balance squat twist that you basically stand on one leg, you squat as low as you can on that one leg, and then you twist as far as you can with your head nice around the corner of, let's say, the cutback that you're going to do, and then rebalance. And it's very, very hard. Mm-hmm. You, most of the time, my first one or two sets, I, I put my foot in. And I was struggling with it for a few weeks. And then I was like, a little bit of a light mob moment. I was like, fuck, I'm going to start wearing my really light shoes again. Even though it's muddy, even though it's wet, all these things. And yeah, it was a bit of a nuisance because my socks were getting wet, which brings me on to my next one, which I've ordered waterproof socks. They do exist. And they exist with Merino, 100% waterproof socks you can get. And you think, shit, you could then wear your light trainers, the ones that got like the barefoot thing, and have dry feet. Are you sure you're sure not talking about plastic bags? Well, I do. I fucking hope not for 30 quid. <laughs> and uh, Some guy's going, hey, Tony. Yeah. There's a guy in England. He's buying plastic bags. <laughs> we talk- <laughs> What are you talking about? Let's sell them for 30 quid. What did you tell them they were? Waterproof socks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's a fucking kook. <laughs> and then we had this recent swell, two days, very small, very small, but 
I was on the longboard and longboarding, I've always found it's harder than shortboarding because it takes more balance. And we talked about this, the poise and balance and hanging on the nose and hang fives. And longboarding is serious stuff for balance. And um, I was kind of making most of the sections on my hang fives. I was doing a hang 10, like genuine hang 10. I held it for two or three seconds and then a little pocket lifts and little floaters and landing them. And and, and then I kind of re-experimented with my exercise, this one-legged stuff that I do often most days. And it was much, much better. So it's that real insight into that if you can get into barefoot shoes. Now, there's a fa- very famous brand called Vivo. We're not sponsored, by the way, by Vivo. But if Vivo are listening... They seem to sponsor every, wanna... everybody else out there. Oh, really? Fine. There you go. Tony Riddle, I think, gets a lot of... He, he, Tony he, Riddle. And he is a barefoot runner, and he yep. speaks very highly of them. There you go. They are good. What I found, my experience with Vivo as a barefoot shoe, was I actually found them too barefoot. And this is my theory. Concrete is our predominant surface that we're on as humans. And concrete not being natural, completely unnatural, how hard it is. Because you think about nature, there's nothing in nature. I mean, well, obviously, you know, like granite yeah. and you've got some rocky terrain, but that's always got changes in nuance and angles. And So just to have pure concrete flat is very unnatural. And what I was finding was I was walking a lot. I even did the incremental bit that Viva recommend, which is, you know, five minutes and then the next day, eight minutes. And, you know, incrementally increase your barefoot walking, you know, your barefoot shoe activity up to running if you want or whatever. And I tried and tried, and I've still got them at home, these kind of basically brand new Vivos, because I kind of gave up because I was picking up tweaks from concrete walking. And I kind of, you know, maybe I could have worked on my walking technique and whatever. But in the end, I went back to my Nike Freeze. And Nike Free, if you just Google that, you'll find Nike Freeze. And that is Nike's version of a barefoot running shoe. And I find it's got a little bit of support that's enough to supplement concrete, basically. But it still gives you foot flexion and all the little nuances of proprioception because your feet are still on, you can feel your feet on the floor, etc. What's been your take on on the shoe thing, dude, with balance and your feet? Because I know you've, you've worn uh, Nike Freeze, is that right? Yeah, I love them. I think they're great, actually. In the world I'd inhabited, you know, I love bare feet, although I'm only about four foot three, so every little help I can get on the lift is, is always a good thing. Yep. But bare feet, joking aside, feels really comfortable. I've got fairly flat feet. So it's difficult sometimes, but there's a work to be done in strengthening the arches and the foot there. And we've talked about that and done a lot of ankle work over the last year. And actually being more, talking of lockdowns and being out of town, I tended to, a lot of the time when I was uh, working away, some sort of shoe, a boot or a, a shoe. And some of the kind of quite relaxed, not sort of super formal boots, I was lucky not to, but just didn't have the right support and actually could make your posture worse and your walking worse. And it didn't help the sort of sciatic pain that I was getting from the back injury and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, I absolutely agree to dial your footwear and, and even better to be around bare feet. You know, I had this moment with one of my kids I've probably spoken about on the previous shows where he was always wanting to be in bare feet most of the time. And I was doing this, it's a bit like with a coat and doing this thing like, you've got to wear these, you've got to wear that. And then finally I had to check myself and say, as long as he doesn't stand on anything, if he wants to wear bare feet, it's probably better for him than putting some shitty shoes that have been made you know, on a production line that's not very ethical somewhere in the world that he's going to grow out of. And then that'll just go, if it doesn't get handed down to someone, you know, ends up in some, at best recycling, at worst, some sort of landfill. So why shouldn't he try and wear bare feet? Well, who am I to say you should do this, son? And there's still a similar thing with his kind of coat. And I'll get onto some of the body stuff with cold water therapy and the virtues that Wim Hof extols about acclimatizing. He would never wear any sort of coat, jumper or otherwise. Mm. And I was doing that old wives tale thing. of saying, Oh, you'll catch your death of cold. You should. Well, if he's happy to be outside in the t-shirt and shorts, that's his choice. And when he's cold, he'll put something on to warm himself up. Just quick, because I know you're going to talk about yeah. Wim Hof in a second. Wim Hof, if you haven't heard of this guy, 
I just wanted to mention that because yeah. I know we're going to believe it in the show notes. Yeah, Wim, W-I-M, surname H-O-F. Just go. YouTube, check it out. Before and I before. thought everybody had heard of Wim Hof. No, no, no. Even some of the guys that I saw who would... I did a, uh, a New Year's Day sea swim. <laughs> Not for very long. I, in fact, when I say swim, I, on the coldest day of the year so far, just went in in my swimmers. And give the listeners an insight into the temperature. Eight the degrees. Eight the degrees temperature was Celsius. taken at eight degrees Celsius. And Fahrenheit was... 40s, 40, 40, 40 degrees. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll leave that in. So I'd read a little bit about Wim Hof. It's a very popular Instagram. People are jumping in buckets of ice every morning. But you talked about it a lot. And we started doing it. And then I, I kind of, as it got colder, got out of it. But new year, new start, fully in. I felt amazing for the rest of the day, but bloody cold. It took me about a day to warm up. But Wim Hof has often said that, you know, if you can control your breathing, you can put yourself through anything. That all comes back to mindfulness and meditation. And when we talk about surfing, it's about dealing with conditions and fear as well. Breathing regulates. Uh, Jacob talked about it when we interviewed him and still does when you look at some of his ways that he's dealing with the waves that he's surfing and some big ones. Breathing really helps you override some of your you know, initial systems of panic or whatever it might be. So very much from a body point of view, it started like that and then have start, continued the cold showers in the morning just to kind of give that endorphin rush and to sort of stimulate this everything really and on top of that new year not a resolution because they're there but just in terms of your kaizen theory i'm reading a book by one of your recommendations will aubrey marcus who has the second best podcast probably on the internet after the mindful surfer obviously um, as we've said before he's got way fewer downloads as well yeah he's got to pick up his game hasn't he <laughs> um, so he he's put all of a lot of his thinking about own the day own your life and it is those every day, if you do something good in the, to your Kaizen theory, then you get the gains from that anyway. And the same is true when we then talk about that from a surfing, surf training perspective. So even when we're in this kind of lockdown phase and some of the guys and girls that we talk to can't get to a beach and they're asking, you know, what sort of things can they be doing? Well, we've often talked about mimicking those movements on land or on a surf skate. And then you'll take those gains back in anyway. And if you just do a bit of that every day, by the end of this, your body and your mind will be understanding the things it needs to do to make some of those surf improvements as well. But I'm finding it's really helpful from a cold water therapy. I'm experimenting also with this 16-8, I think it's called, isn't it? Where mm -hmm. you, you eat between a certain, in an eight-hour window. And then throwing into that, uh, Will's favorite thing, although I'm using coconut oil rather than butter. <laughs> it's going to be... An I'm afraid not. Coconut oil lubed up I'm afraid, Will. Purely organic masturbation. With, I'm just going to keep talking with, over you right with, now. <laughs> with just coconut oil. Never use olive oil. It's fucking spicy. Bullet coffee. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore <laughs> everything you're saying to me. Bulletproof coffee, rather. Yep. And whether it's a placebo effect at the moment, I think it feels good. I've never had it before. Yeah, yeah. I swear by the fat caffeine combos for surf. Yeah. Because the thing about surf is it generally... Well, listen, you might want to surf after work, in which case you might have had, let's say, lunch and whatever, then you have like a proper meal. Yeah. But a lot of surf in life is that kind of morning or like pre-lunch. That's kind of where I'm at with my surfing most days. If I can try and organize my life around, you know, the morning bit, the dawny, or the mid-morning or the lunchy bit. So I can keep fasting. Now, I've done fasting for almost a decade, so my body's very adapted. But the fatty coffee, the bulletproof coffee, which comes originally from a guy called Dave Asprey, mm who's worth checking out, we'll leave that in the show notes. We mentioned a lot of people today. What it does, it just slows down the caffeine release and feeds the brain. Now, we all know that if you feed the brain, then you're feeding the body because it's inextricably linked. If the brain is feeling more buzzed, more alert, more on it, then when you go in the surf, you're going to feel the same. So what's interesting, though, about this is that when I've experimented, when I've had a plain black coffee, I get a much more immediate 
like, whoa, oh my God, I'm excited to go surfing. Everything's just flying and all this dopamine, adrenaline, da, da, da. When I have the bullet coffee, when I have a, a fatty coffee, it's much mellower, but the energy lasts. I don't get the same dehydration because it stops you getting dehydrated. I don't get that mental crash that comes from then needing another coffee to keep that spike going. For sure. Know? I'm stoked you're doing it, dude. And yeah. you can do it with a surf. You can do a buttery or coconutty, whatever fat you want to choose, coffee, ideally saturated fat, which is much better for, for a number of reasons, with your coffee and go surf for hours and hours yeah. on that. And I'm hydrating as well, which is a, something that we've been long talking about working on. It's all of that stuff coming together. We'll see how it goes. And over the course of this series, we'll let you know all of the things we're both doing, how we're getting on, whether it's working, what other bits we're pulling in to kind of improve our minds and bodies, but also with the ultimate goal of surfing better, getting more out of our surfing experiences and getting the body fit. You know, I think Aubrey talks about this, but somebody else was talking about the, who was saying, people are saying, what you're training for? And he said, life. Very good. I like that. Segment three, we're just going to finish on this surf media insight. I just want to share. I saw a video by Shred Show, which was explaining the, by the way, great show, Shred Show. He explained the science and the theory behind carbon wrap on your surfboard. It's a famous lost, I don't know if it's a patent, I'm not sure, but a lot of top brands, surfboard brands use carbon now for their stringers and for this and for the rails and for blah, blah, blah. And what it does, it helps flex patterns and helps the rebound effect. Now you go for a turn, you're drawing off the bottom, and when you hit the top, you need to rebound to be able to re-enter to the next turn. That's what rebounding is, okay? Now, if you get any, and I mean a fucking 0.01% rebound assistance, it is worth it because I am not very good at surfing and I do not surf very good waves. So any, and this is where my point, I want to come onto the inside, is any, and placebo or otherwise, assistance that my board can give me, I'm taking it. <laughs> I totally I'm taking it yeah because surfing is so hard already yeah and you know you might not get loads of time off from work to be able to go you might have injury aspects you might have you know are you on the right board wrong board are you you know but if you can just try and control a little bit of that yeah. then I think that's a way to go and the thing is this is where the money thing comes in because I have a, a carbon wrap puddle jumper by lost surfboards and I feel the difference I really do and yeah. whether it's perceived or otherwise I don't know but there's a pop and there's a zing and there's a zest to the board that it wants to go to the next section the I, next section and it, it's worth it it's worth the money in the end well and that's what it all boils down to if we can help you all find ways of bringing things in, as just people who are just surfing pretty mushy crappy waves right we're not pros as we've said we're not expert surfers we're just doing our best to get the most out of the ocean experience and if we have at our disposal all of us listening to this within reason, you know, within confines of reality, access to things. And we want to bring those things to you that can help you more effectively, more easily dial in that flow state because that's what we're all chasing. It's the back door into a really great world. If it's a bit of carbon in the board, if it's ways to hack your diet or your body that dial little bits of improvement that over time make huge differences, then wow, well, I'm taking a bit of that. And so who wouldn't? Big time. You know. And it's actually in reference to a friend who was ordering. He was actually ordering a puddle. Matt, if you're listening, Matt Barless, I've sold you a lot yeah. of puddles so far. But it's this thing where he clicked order and he went for carbon wrapping it. And it was just so funny because he, he uh, was giggling about how it was an extra like 60 quid. or <laughs> And I was like, mate, it's going to be worth it. As long as it's not the guy selling you the waterproof socks, you'll be all right. 
Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, you, you've done well on that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, this plastic bag. You wait and see when I'm walking around. <laughs> we drive When I'm walking around, plastic bags on my feet. Guys, thanks for joining us. And it's great to be back. Season two. Really good to be back. We'll see you next week. Nice one. Ooh.